This is the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage Corporation of Bay Harbor Islands. Tonight's show is hosted by Grant Stern. Find out more about our sponsor at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. Well, if you're in the car, kick those shoes off and relax. We have a fantastic show planned for you this evening. We have a great guest. She is the editor and columnist at politicalcortarito.com. Elaine Del Valle will be calling into the program to discuss a matter of politics which has blown up in the Miami Herald and involves the Miami Beach mayoral campaign. Uh, we are speaking, going to speak, of course, about the issue of the wayward political pack. There is a political action committee which was accepting money from people who do business with the city, which the city of Miami Beach itself made illegal. And Commissioner Michael Greco is involved. We're going to discuss the entire case. She's been writing about it for about a month right now, and so has the Miami Herald. Uh, I gave Michael Greco an invite onto the program. He's been on the show a few times before. Well, a couple times before, I believe. Uh, but he has not gotten back to me. He hasn't answered my calls, and usually he's very accessible. So we're going to hear a lot more about this budding scandal and see if it's smoke or fire or smoke and fire. But right now, there's definitely smoke. And we're going to hear from the wonderful folks at Engage Miami, who won uh, a Night Arts, uh, not Night Arts, but Night Cities Challenge grant. Uh, Engage Miami is a group that works on political activism to get people to go out and vote. So it's going to be an interesting show. If you like politics, if you care about local politics and what's happening in Miami, boy, you got to stay tuned tonight. But this is the part of the program where I get a few minutes to speak directly with you, the listening audience, about issues of importance that impact us citywide and sometimes beyond. And today I wanted to speak about the resistance I am talking about the online and in real life movement of people who are sharing information online, who are showing up at rallies, who are making sure that the egregious public corruption that we are seeing in Washington, D.C., which shamefully mirrors the corruption which we have seen in Miami-Dade County's municipalities for a long time, the corruption must be rooted out, and it is these people whose actions and deeds and shares and words and caring about it and making sure that it stays top of the mind information is very important. That's what the resistance is doing. On November 9th, there was no resistance. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Everybody was stunned, absolutely stunned. But people got up off their tuchuses and they started marching and they realized that we needed to find out everything that these people in Washington, D.C. were planning to do at the time that they were lying about draining the swamp. 
we needed to know what was going on. And as time went on, it, found, it, it came to pass that people realized we need to stand up when there's a problem. Don't just watch and say there's something wrong happening. You have to do something about it. Now, that's something that's a great attitude to take locally, and it's much more difficult to do nationally, but it's happening. Today, there was a major lawsuit filed by the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. The two attorneys general filed suit against Donald Trump as president for violating the emoluments clause. It mirrors and echoes a suit filed by the citizens for response, uh, the crew uh, out of Washington, CREW, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, who filed a similar lawsuit. And on Friday, they actually got an answer from the government. So we found out that the president plans to argue and is arguing that he is above the law. And it is that same resistance that has spurred the New York Attorney General to investigate two federal uh, uh, grand juries to be impaneled, and it has supported people like James Comey who are simply seeking to find out the truth. If there was one shocking thing that happened last week, that so shocking thing that happened was that James Comey said, the Russians attacked us. They attacked our democracy. The Russians are coming back. They're not gone. They're not going to you know, leave this alone. But they attacked us. And out of all of the testimony that he gave explaining his discussions with the president, not one time did the director, the former director of the FBI, note that the president expressed any concern about Russia at all. Here in South Florida, we've had some different experiences with our Russian visitors and neighbors. And we've seen things like the fake Russian nightclub on South Beach, which uh, took in tourists, took them for all they were worth, took their money, maxed out their credit cards and kicked them out. And there were trials about this. It's a great New Times story. Uh, classic only in Miami story, right? Well, folks... Unfortunately, some of this only in Miami stuff that we kind of laugh about is happening only in Washington, D.C. right now. And that's scary. And that's why the resistance is so important. It's important when you see that article, you share it. Every click, every phone call, every appearance at a march, every sign, every call to your congressperson, every letter, all of these things, it adds up. People see it. It's impacting public opinion. It is moving the wheels of justice forward. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. We were royalty. She even said it's staring in the face of poverty. Is that insanity or vanity? I think it's nothing but the power of the mind. Believe she put it in me. Because I live on my dreams. I get my fantasies wings. One day I'm gonna be king. I'm gonna make that woman so proud of her son. I know you heard about changes. Go come. One question. Will you be there? Will you be there? I'll be there with my hands held high in the air. Like a champion. Cause I'm 
up before my cards. Focus my mind and don't take my eyes off the prize. Cause life is a pick of an eye. You're here, then you're gone off to the other side. My time is a gift and I use it. I spend every day making beautiful music. But you don't have to hold the tune to serenade a room. Just to highlight like noon, even in the gloom. Darkest clouds never block the sun. Just rise above and you're already won. No obstacle can't be overcome. If you think that you can, then it's already done. Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back with Elaine Del Valle. She runs politicalcortadito.com. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Thank you, Grant, for having me. How are you? I am doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Loving the summer. It's getting hot, and that means it's time for a little bit of politics, right? Getting close always, to a couple of elections. Always in the 305. Yeah. Politics are always hot in the 305, but especially this summer when we have you know special elections in a Senate race and in a in a in a state house race, and then we have you know elections in in the four major cities, uh, which you know as you know are Miami, Hialeah, Homestead, and, and Miami Beach. So, yeah, it's a big year for us. <laughs> That's right. Locally, it's a very important year for politics. There's going to be a lot of new blood in the city of Miami, right? There's uh, the mayor and two open seats, right? Correct. Well, two open seats for now. There might be a third open seat, I think, right? Isn't there a third open seat or is it two open seats in total? There, well, there's two open seats, and then Keon Hardman is running as an incumbent, unless... One of his corruption oh, scandals, true. you know, made that an open seat, but it hasn't happened yet. That, okay, right, right. There's two seats now, and then there's going to be another seat when uh, Francis Suarez resigns to run for mayor. Correct. Okay. Right, right. Well, uh, right. both uh, Suarez and Commissioner Corroyo are t- uh, termed out. So. Yeah. Yes. Um, so okay. let's talk about the race that's really been just sucking all the oxygen out of the room in local politics. And that's the Miami beach mayor's race. And, um, it's, it's taken a turn for the, the bizarre, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, I think it's a little, you know, early to, to, to it, it certainly has taken uh, an early turn, uh, to the bizarre, I think, because it, you know, I, I think Miami beach politics always kind of gets kind of crazy. Um, it's usually just later in the cycle, um, it's gotten a little bit weird uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, with, with the news about this pack, which is always a bad thing in Miami Beach. Uh, That's a you know, political PAC action are, committee. Right. PACs right. are kind of like a dirty word, I think. Yeah, they, uh, they have become Beach, a dirty word on the beach. So, and we have. There's even legislation against, you know, politicians directly or indirectly soliciting for PACs. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's become, I think it's going to become an election issue right now, so... Right. So, I mean, let's start with uh, where did you start reporting on this pack? Uh, because you said that the source of the report was a little bit strange itself, like the source of the information. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the pack, you know, all, all of this we're talking about now is because you know, the money held a great story uh, last week connecting this very mysterious pack uh, to uh, Commissioner Michael Greco and Miami Beach, who is running for the mayor's seat. Okay. Uh, which is open since Philip Levine is not running for re-election. Right. Um, anyway, That's another open seat. I, I, had, I had chased that in January because there was an email uh, that went out, an email blast that went out anonymously exposing these connections uh, that Michael Grieco has with the the PAC, uh, which is called, I think if I remember correctly, because I don't have it in front of me, but People for Better Leaders. Sure. And so... People for Better Leaders is chaired uh, by a man named Brian Abraham, and has a lot of uh, has you know two hundred thousand dollars in general, was one hundred ninety thousand dollars worth of contributions, and many of those contributions are from Miami Beach contractors, Miami Beach vendors, people with an interest in business in Miami Beach. So you would think that it has you know Miami Beach bent. You know, three of the people or several of the people, uh, more than three, several of the people who contributed to the pack also contributed to Michael Grieco's candidate account, not just people, but entities, companies, or whatnot. And three in three of those instances, they contributed on the same day. I mean, th- those are, you know, pretty big signs that the two things are, are related. This doesn't happen just in, you know, this campaign. It, it's happened in many other campaigns, you know, for county commission, uh, for, for state rep, uh, you know, for, for Senate, where, you know, PACs and, and candidates, races, which are not really supposed to, you know, sometimes, you know, collaborate, you do because they share information and they have, you know, obviously the same, the same goal. Um, But anyway, so, you know, the the same people had contributed to both packs. Grieco said he had, you know, he knew nothing about it. He told me he didn't know anything about it. He didn't know the people behind it. Uh, But apparently he told the Herald this week. Okay. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're jumping the gun. Sorry. Because okay. because Michael Greco spoke with the Herald last week about this, and I thought right. that his answer was a bit unusual, right? Didn't he give a bit? Right. Of, he said uh, something like, "Look into my soul." You he need to look like look into the eye, look into the soul of my eyes, or something like that. Right, and then you need to look and, into and, my soul. Basically, yeah, you know. And then he made yeah. a great mention of a lot of people in politics that he's acquainted with which I didn't understand exactly. You know, it just, it all seemed to be, uh, like he made a very lengthy statement. Um, denials, um, you know, it, there was a very long statement published in the Miami Herald. Um, right, well, the, public, the statement that he made afterwards in the email was after he said, look into my soul. Well, the look into my soul was when he was denying vehemently that he had anything to do with this pack, which he also told me in January, that, and, and very in a very passionate way, denied it. I, I don't know them. I have nothing to do with them. In fact, I think he told the, the Herald or his political consultant, David Clifton, told the Herald that this was something that was done to hurt him by his political enemies. And then it turns out that you know, he, he sends a statement to the Herald saying, I, you know, I, I actually, I do know the chairman, like I know a lot of people, a lot of PAC people. I know this guy and that guy and the other guy. And he names Ben Pallara and a couple of other people that I can't remember. Off right. A lot of head. major well, public so, figures, uh, though, that he names. People, well, they're not really that public. They're public to you and me. But, well, you know, no, I mean, Ben Pallara is. Names because yeah. they're, 
Yeah, but I mean, the other names, you know, I don't think a lot of people know, uh, you know, who some of the other people that he mentioned were. But, you know, there, there are people who do chair packs. There are people who donate a lot or who, who fundraise, who host fundraisers. You know, there are people who are working there behind the scenes. And he mentions them. He does mention Brian Abraham, the chair of the mysterious pack that he said back in January he didn't know who these people were. Um, the Herald also found photographs of them together. I mean, they did a really good job, which also kind of made me think, why are they doing such a good job at spending so many man hours on this race and, and so early on and this pack, which which I think was, was kind of interesting. I wish they would do it with everybody. But um, in any case, they, they made a really good case. He said, you know, he had to admit that he knew them. And then later on, what happened even was even more bizarre when the chairman of the pack, this guy Abraham, says, you know, says that yes, that, that Grieco was their attorney. And that was something because they, the Herald actually went as far as to get handwriting experts. This is, this is why it's kind of weird. The story. Well, okay, hold on a like, second. Let me break in here. Let me break in here because I mean, the yeah, handwriting yeah, experts, I, I want to, let's, let's take a full stop for a second. Let's talk about the handwriting experts. I'm sure experts. you have issues with that. Okay, right. so so here's the thing about the handwriting experts. In general, it's not considered an incredible science. It's it's one of those forensic sciences, which means that it's not an actual science pr practiced by scientists. Right. It's practiced right. by people whose goal is to like capture criminal convictions, and they typically work towards that end. So so it's not a impartial science by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought what was interesting. In this sense, because what happened was that as a result of them saying that the handwriting expert compared the handwriting and found it alike, the chairman said, okay, that's because it's true. It is Grieco's handwriting. He was our attorney. You see what I mean? Whether or not you can use the handwriting expert in a court of law, the Herald certainly used it effectively to produce the result that they wanted, which was the truth, the information that Grieco did, in fact, right, that's, fill out the forms and was, in fact, involved in the creation of this pact. That's what I was going to say. Know? It was like, okay, he went from denial, telling a lot of different stories, saying a lot, saying a lot, to all of a sudden, this is attorney-client privileged. I mean, right. that's that's Which, highly unusual. It's laughable. It's laughable. It's, no, it's laughable. It's laughable. Yeah. Because if it's attorney-client privilege, you don't say in January to me, you know, oh, I have absolutely nothing to do. You know, you say, I have no comment. I, you, know, I, 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 you know, I can't talk about that. You know, you don't say, and then you don't say, look into my soul as God is my witness. You know, I mean, he, he was so passionately denying anything to do with it, you know, and then... You know, he he only admitted it after the handwriting thing. I, I don't know. I just, you know, to me, it's, it's it's a little bit laughable, you know. And then, you know, now they're going to return all the money. You saw that, right? And the Herald reported that the, the chairman decided, you know, because this story has painted his name, has painted this back, um, you know, that, you know, they're still sticking to this, to, you know, to their story that, that Michael Rico is just their attorney that now they're going to return all the money uh, to the contributors and not be able to, you know, have the impact that they wanted to have on, on local politics in a, you know, quote unquote, good way. But, you know, th those same contributors will find a new pack to give the money to. Well, Trust me, there's, there's already a new one. Let us talk about, let's talk about that on the other side of the break. But Elaine, tell our audience, if they want to reach out to you on Twitter right now, where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they find your web work online? And we're going to take a short break. And we're going to come back. We're going to keep talking about this story because as you hinted, 
there's more. <laughs> Where can our audience and find says, out more? Says, um, they <laughs> can find me on Twitter at News Chica. Um, and Political Cortadito is politicalcortadito.com. So you'll find the latest story up right now on, on the new pack. Read it during the break, and then we'll come back and talk about it. <laughs> That's right. So go uh, follow her at News, N-E-W-S, Chica, C-H-I-C-A. And if you see a lady holding an Emmy, I think that's that's Elaine, right? We'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. on point and a walk is mean the crowd parts like the sea they could look but a touch they could only dream he loves a challenge so he licks his lips he's inspired by her arrogance his first words make her body tense she can't leave cause she feels his strength now she can't help but listen but she's down to her last defense she says why you being so persistent he says i speak what i want into existence she never heard a man talk like this never seen somebody so confident driven to the point of death guess what he wants even if it means no With the sweetest taste He left her heart with a warm embrace He took her mind to another place And the effects lasted for days No ordinary love story exists That could illustrate how the spark was lit And why his love gave a spirit a lift The puzzle piece just perfectly fits But with the sunshine came the rain Pouring down great clouds of pain Everything started to change After that he was never the same Still bound to the very end with the power within All the fears blew away with the wind She was stronger than she'd ever been Welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live with Elaine Del Valle from politicalcortadito.com. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. So we've been talking about the budding scandal in Miami Beach about a political action committee that was connected with Michael Greco. Um, the Miami Herald investigated it quite doggedly, and uh, Mr. Greco admitted that he was connected to the PAC. He says that he is a lawyer 
for that pack. And just for the record, I did invite Mr. Greco to come onto the program tonight by text. I left him a voicemail. He just doesn't want to come on the show and explain all this. So, Elaine, what's the latest development on politicalcourtarito.com? Uh, I, I called him a couple of times also since last week, since the story came out, and he, he hadn't responded to my calls either. And, and normally he's a very accessible guy, and he, he responds uh, to my calls, you know, pretty diligently, but he hasn't even responded to text messages. Um, and, and the latest that I found is that um, there's another PAC uh, that registered uh, with the state, oh, I'm sorry, with the county um, in April. And that pack, which is called Our Time Is Now, uh, has a, it's actually an elections communications organization, which, as you know, is sort of the same as a pack. It collects, you know, it can still collect uh, large amounts of money, but it has to spend it a little bit differently. The message can't be, for example, exactly vote for, but it can be used to spread name ID or to attack somebody else. Um, And usually it's used for the latter. Um, And this, this pack or this ECO, has collected only $10,000 so far, um, but the person who donated $10,000 or the entity, the company, is owned by Roger Thompson and James Tyrell. Roger Thompson also provided $10,000 to the People for Better Leaders PAC that the Herald tied to Michael Greco. Or Greco. Um, so, you know, and the PAC is uh, chaired by Mark Rivero, who works for Diaz Consulting Group, where Pedro Diaz works, or you know, owned by Pedro Diaz, who is Mike Greco's newest consultant as of just a couple months ago, maybe as of April, <laughs> uh, possibly. So, uh, you know, there, there's a possibility that that could be, you know, now now that the Herald's found out of, you know, this, this other mysterious pack, this could be like a new pack that, that works for Greco. Now, when I spoke to Pedro about this a uh, couple of weeks ago, this pack, he told me it was, you know, just a pack that, you know, he could use for anybody, um, you know, but, you know, it, 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 it makes sense that if Roger Thompson was donating to the, the other pack and he's donating to this pack, that it's going to be used for Mike Greco. Sure. So, I mean, you have a shared base of campaign donors, right? Right. Right. Um, well, in this case, we only have one campaign donor so far. So we'll see if, you know, we have to wait until the next month. But all the money has been spent already. The $10,000 was spent. All of it was spent on Diaz Consulting. Um, you know, and, and he did just join the, the campaign, you know, very recently. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm saying April only half the efficiency. I really think that's when he joined the campaign. So. Right. So, I mean, it, this is something that's not just like unfolding, but really like day by day at this point. Like we've hit the point where we've discovered everything in the past. And now it's like, right. what's actually happening? We're going to have to wait for the next report. Right. But, you know, I mean, in, in a way, I sort of blame the consultants more than I blame the candidates themselves. I, I mean, I, you know, Mike Greco has more than half a million dollars in his candidate's account. That's not even counting May because he's late for some reason, or, unless the city of Miami Beach is maybe late posting it up online. Um, but the, the, the May report's not posted up online. So as of the end of April, I'm sorry, as of the end of April, as of the May report, he has more than half a million dollars in his candidate account. Um, Which is a considerable than, fund for a local it's a office. considerable amount. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a sitting commissioner. Yes, he's running against, you know, former Senator Dan Gelber, who only has, I, I think, I, I can't remember exactly, but it's less than 400000 So he's got 300, let's say 350000 or so. Um, and 
you know, I don't know that Gelber has a pack. Um, you know, I, you know, Mike Greco has told me that he wouldn't have a pack. That if he, that, that if he did, he would have it under his own name. Um, you know, he hasn't. It doesn't seem that like he has a need for one. Um, and packs are just generally. They're, they're frowned upon more, I think, in Miami Beach than other places. I mean, I think generally the people are, are waking up to packs, but in Miami uh, I Beach, think part of the always... reason, I think part of the reason is that the beach has a, a very unusual electorate compared to most cities and towns where you have uh, two-thirds of the beach's residents are transient, i.e. tourists. So you have like a very small group of people that are making the decisions compared to who actually uses the beach and then you know, on top of that, you've got a much larger block of commercial uh, interests on Miami Beach than you do in a typical city of its size. So, right, it creates a different. Well, Miami dynamic. Beach has, has always had the, the like the, the stricter lobbying rules, and last year, because of all the you know shadiness behind the Relentless for Progress Pact, which I mean, you know, for the history of your readers, in 2015. The mayor, the, you know, the mayor Philip Levine and, and then Commissioner General Wilson set up a pack called uh, Relentless for Progress, um, which you know collected a million dollars over the course of, if I remember, I think it was less than a month. Um, for mostly, call, you know, Miami, yeah, <laughs> really fast. For mostly Miami Beach uh, contractors and vendors or, or people who wanted uh, to do business with Miami Beach. Um, yes, the re- request for proposal quick. pack. Right, exactly. RFP. That's yes. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, relentless so, for so Phil. Make, relentless for Phil. <laughs> yeah, people. People really quickly came to question that pack. Um, you know, because there were a lot of people on the list who had given, you know, bundled forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars to the pack. You know, hundred thousand dollars to the pack, and and these are people who had items before the county, the city commission. Um, so you know they. They were forced to disband that pack, and then in January of 2016, the Miami Beach City Commission passed a law that says that you know any any elected is not allowed, is prohibited from soliciting directly or indirectly for a pack. That's stronger than the county law, which requires electeds to fill out you know paperwork if they're going to be soliciting directly or indirectly for a pack. So you know, I, I, it, 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 you know it's. It's a big issue in Miami Beach. I expect it to be played out a lot in the election uh, because people just have a very negative opinion of tax in Miami Beach. Right. Well, there's a good reason for that. You see, Miami Beach has a, a lot of commercial and infrastructure work. I mean, the infrastructure work on Miami Beach alone is worth a gold mine. Um, for example, there's one very... Uh, abrasive uh, Twitter egg lobbyist named Eric Zicella, and he's extremely active with all the lobbying to redo what's underneath the streets of Miami Beach. And, you know, I haven't tracked all of his expenditures, but he's just one of a pack, like a, a pack of wolves that are out there trying to tear chunks out of the public purse to do all these jobs. Um, but, you know, that's why the packs are so controversial, because there's so much work being doled out. Um, and the current administration did a lot of no-bid contracts, you know, which gives the money away without giving lots of people time to bid. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of political jockeying instead of, uh, you know, trying to get the best yeah. price for things over at Miami Beach. 
Well, but I mean, I think the packs in general, not just in Miami Beach. I mean, you know, it, this has been one of my pet peeves is how packs are used and abused. I think by, you know, the cottage industry, so to speak. And, and in this case, you know, you have a pack, and and I love, I like Pedro. I think he's a good guy. I think he's done, you know, good with some campaigns. Um, you know, he's he's a grassroots guy. He does he works really hard. He's really hungry. You know, so I mean, I I generally like him, but I am always suspicious when a political consultant opens and is chair or treasurer of, of somebody's pack or their own pack because that that's just a way for them to, to spend the money, you know? Um, and, it, you know, so it, 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 it gives them a, a, an avenue to raise money in order to spend it, you know? And I just, right. You know, it, it, these it, it these groups, well, yeah, you know, uh, the thing is, is that it's tough to figure out how do you take the bad money out of politics and keep the good money, right? You know, it's like, well, people do need donations to do things. They need money. But on the same, the other hand, it's pretty unseemly when people who are making decisions are getting paid by people who need the decisions. You know, uh, that right. uh, that certainly impacts it. Uh, in fact, right. you know, like uh, just not to go on too far, but I read an article in Wired about Congressman Dana Rohrabacher. Um, he's a California congressperson who said over the weekend that uh, he thinks that America should, should support ISIS. Very interesting congressperson from Orange County. And the article is about him, and it said, if Dana Rarabacher was compromised by the Russians, he wouldn't even know it because of the effect, the measured effect of even small gifts upon doctors in this massive Obamacare-related study. I mean, it's just... It's, right. Yeah, it's pretty absurd. But I don't think we have to go that far. I mean, I think we, I think that we can go even closer and look at the county. You know, at the absurd amount of gifts that the you know the, that the mayor and you know county commissioners get, or at the city of Miami from you know companies like Odebrecht and and MCM Construction, um, um, you know uh, Williams Paving. You know, these are companies that have multi-million-dollar contracts. You know, with the cities, and and so in some cases are granted extension, multi-million dollar and multi-year extensions with no bid because the bids are waived at that point. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, as, you know, remember last year there was some kind of movement to do some uh, widespread campaign financing reform, and that failed because I think they tried to do it too quickly. Um, but I think that the community, you know, particularly, like you said, there's, you know, in Miami Beach, I think there's certainly in Miami, um, you know, I think that in, in certain parts of our community, I think that people are willing to start talking about this, you know, t- you know, doing some kind of campaign finance reform. So like you said, these special interests can't be the ones who are really, you know, pushing tariffs. Because let's, let's face it, if a special interest wants to, you know, open a pack and put a million dollars into a pack and find a candidate and, and, and just prop that candidate up, that candidate could very well be elected in, in our climate, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, it just it creates this back scratching situation that's endless. And the uh, the people, the regular people seem to be shut out of the decision making process often when it's all about collecting money for this pack. Um, you know, it creates a situation where the, the interest of the politicians is just very conflicted. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I don't like PACs, you know, and we, we could have a completely other show and talk about how PACs at the state level, the, the, the way that the money goes around and around in circles. I mean, you, you, you can follow a donation from one PAC 
through five other packs to the final pack that it lands in. I mean, it looks like money laundering. And in any other business, it might be considered It, it is that, money laundering. It is a political not, form you know? of money laundering. And, and I agree. I think that there needs to be a lot more restrictions on how this is all done. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, the politicians are way, way, way in solidarity here against the citizens when it comes to raising yeah, money. Yeah, I was going to say, you know why? Because the packs are for them. This is a tool that they use. You know, they don't want to put limits on them. You know, I, I don't know if it's something that we could do by referendum, you know, but they don't, there's, you know, there's no way that we can trust our legislators to do this for us because this is something that they use. This is something that they need, you know? Well, yeah. you know what? We're going to talk with Engage Miami next about why it's so important that people actually show up and vote. Because I think that if more people showed up and vote, more people get involved, more people listen to shows that explain what their elected officials are really doing, um, then maybe these elected officials wouldn't try these kind of crazy things so much. What do you think? I think so, too. I think that the more engaged people are, not, you know, to pun intended, the, the, the better uh, results we'll have in these packs. Basically, you know, if, if there's if there's a void these pack of information, these packs are very successful, uh, and the special interests are very successful. If there's not a void of information, if there's another side and people are able to get, you know, truthful and, and, and non partisan, you know, non-interested information, I think that what it does is it, it lessens the power that these packs and, and it makes them relevant. You know, we can't, you know, take get rid of them legally through legislation. We have to make them relevant through education, I guess. Yep, that's, uh, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> well, Elaine, yeah. thank you so much for joining me on the program tonight. Uh, where can our audience find you on Twitter and find your website and find out more about all of your reports? Because this one's a must-read. Okay. Must read. Well, the the, uh, the 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 blog can be read at politicalcortadito.com. That's political, like the word, and then cortadito, like the coffee with a shot, C-O-R-T-A-D-I-T-O.com. And you can hit me up on Twitter, at News Chica, all one word, N-E-W-S-C-H-I-C-A. And I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. All righty. That's politicalcortadito.com. Find Elaine Del Valle at News Chica on Twitter at News Chica, C-H-A-C-H-I-C-A. Elaine, thank you again for coming on the program and enlightening my listening audience here about what's really happening in Miami politics. Thank you for having me, and then we'll talk again soon. Deal. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show.
welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live with Sarah Youssef of Engage Miami. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the program tonight. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for having me. I also have Kaisha Moody with Engage Miami here with me. Oh, hey. great. Thanks for bringing Kaisha. How are you? I'm wonderful. Happy to be here. So let's start with you, Sarah. Explain to our audience a little bit about Engage Miami. Tell us a little bit about the organization and what you guys do. Engage Miami is a network of young people that is getting involved in local politics and local government through lots of different initiatives. I mean, the main way is really just massive registration. Um, Studies show that when young people are registered, they vote at the same rate as older people. It's nearly the same. The real real barrier is registration. Um, We also take on issues that matter to young people like housing prices and like the rent, um, education, you know, anything that matters to young people, we're about bringing young people to commission meetings, bringing young people to town hall meetings, really taking their values to City Hall and to the ballot box. Yeah, well, that's very important right now. That's actually what we spoke about at the top of the show. So, Kaisha, can you tell our audience a little bit about the Night Cities Challenge you guys actually participated? And I heard you did pretty well. Yeah, we did extremely well. Um, we're really excited about our rep. Uh, Rep Miami initiative, and the whole premise is to figure out how do we get people, how do we get people more civically engaged and knowledgeable, so like Zara was saying, around like what are your local representatives doing, what are they voting on, um, how do you, what are some channels that you can provide feedback and access to some of your local representatives if you want to follow up on some items that you heard that they were uh, speaking about, um, but essentially it's just it's our effort is to make increase the access um, and make it a lot more easily accessible for average citizens, young people to know, be knowledgeable of what is happening, and then um, be able to activate and access and turnkey um, whatever initiatives, issues that they have to raise. It's, you know what, it's great that you guys are doing this. So what are you guys going to be? Let me actually, um, let let me recap just for a second. Um, RepMIA is a website. It's just a platform um, that'll answer the question, who represents me? Okay, so, great. As, you know, when you live somewhere, you've got five layers of local government that almost no one I know can answer that question, who represents me? That's, um, that is know. a tough question to answer. Yeah. And you it have does, state, it doesn't, you know, local, not, federal, you know, county, and then maybe you have like a, you know, something smaller, like a taxing district or something. Sure. You have a county commissioner, a city mm-hmm. commissioner, um, you know, state house, state senate, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got your federal layers. So there's a lot of layers of local government you know, for every citizen and to know who represents them is step one, right? So this yeah. would allow you to enter in where you live, find out the answer. Also find out what issues are live in your area. So what's going on where I live? You know, what are, how is my elected um, voted on issues recently? And what's my elected been saying about the upcoming issue? And then the last thing that Rep. MA does is it provides a one-click solution to communicate with your elected. So either it'll, you know, show you their Twitter handle so you can tweet at them, you know, that might, might be the most effective way for certain elected. Um, I'd say that's a very effective way, even if that elected isn't really active on Twitter, because they know, you know, well, and at least, they like, know they can a see really it. public trail of them being spoken to. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's a really visible trail that your constituents have actually been talking to you about this thing. And if we're all using the same hashtag about something, maybe it's time to respond. That's um, right. That's right. I know a lot of elected officials who are extremely sensitive to content when it's hashtagged. Unfortunately, some yeah. of them are not very sensitive to anti-censorship laws in this country. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Right, right. So, um, oh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with lots of uh, very effective hashtags, Grant. Quite a your- few effective hashtags <laughs> out there. Um, actually, you know, uh, it's, it's upsetting. There was a story about our Miami-Dade state attorney um, that I developed from public records rec- requests last week um, that showed that she was censoring people. And from what I've been told from some of the people who have been censored, she actually unblocked them because of our rec- probably because of our reporting. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I think that, well, and the fact that we can make not only, I mean, I think now is a really exciting time because we can not only make public statements and public requests, but you, you're posturing them in a position where either they respond or they retreat, right? Sure. They, they don't have a choice. And I think leveraging these platforms is really the key to doing it. So it would help generate, Rep. MIA will help generate um, the, the person's Twitter information, you know, maybe um, give you their email address tell you where to go to meet your commissioner. You know, there's going to be meetings or you're elected. There's going to be meetings that there's time for public comment, right? So it, it basically brings those tools to people. Um, and we think that the barrier to civic participation is really that access to accurate, digestible information. I know a lot of people who want to get involved, but when you try to find out about like an amendment that's on the, on the ballot, you get a big 20-page PDF. You don't actually get information that answers the question, what the hell is this about? Right. It's it, it's the legalese. That's all you get. Here's the the legal template. Right. If you're a good lawyer, you're going to understand this really well. Okay, vote on something. It's kind of like well, that. It's, it's, it's intentionally deceptive ballot language oftentimes, right? So even the good lawyers can get fooled. It's, it's really just not fair. So we've got, you know, we're, we're trying to play decoder ring for local politics because I think that's the barrier for young people. I don't see young people not caring. I see uh, their information as being the barrier. I, that's a very good point that people are way underinformed on all of these issues. And, and really, when you think about it, uh, people take civics class when they're like 17, 18 years old. But does it really teach all of what's actually happening? What do you guys think? No, um, I would definitely say civics classes right now, the, the lessons aren't responsive to the current needs that are happening in our environment. Um, our folks are learning, which is good about, you know, amendments, basic constitution forms of the government. But in regards to, like, how do I take that information activated in this current, you know, changing environment right now? How do I make use of how do I navigate the, you know, the system to, to bring, you know, power to my voice and my issues um, currently right now? I would say it's kind of outdated. Um, which is one of the initiatives that Engage Miami is trying to do is figure out how can we work with school districts um, to kind of help reactivate and, and make the actual curriculum that we're using a lot more responsive um, and a lot more human-centered so students, um, young people um, can access it a lot better and make more sense of it in real time and make more real-world applications to civic education, especially now, as important as it is currently in the, the current change in the world. Oh, yeah, there's a lot going on today, and I think people are waking up and saying, how did we get here? Right. They're like, how, how did we get in this situation where you can just have the minority of the country select a president? The Senate is supposed to be a minority body. The House of Representatives has been elected with a minority of residents as well. I think a lot of people are questioning how did we get here and, and basic civics lessons and knowing who your reps are and and where and what they're doing is just a huge, huge part. Well, we, we live in a, I mean, if you think that the, the elected officials in South Florida are corrupt, I mean, it, it's kind of silly to say that, you know, I wish there was a checks and balance measure, right? They do have to run for office. They do have to get elected. And, and um, 
it's it's really really um frustrating how few people participate in the system and i don't think it's because they're bad people who don't care about their communities i really think it's the accessibility right it's finding out when the elections are what's on there and in a in a manner that is quick right i don't expect everyone to be a civic scholar you know people have their lives they've got things to do Sure. So. Well, that that's something, uh, speaking of having their lives and things to do, something I wanted to discuss with you guys. It's not a engage issue, but it's a political issue. What do you guys think about the voting system that we have where everybody votes on a weekday? Do you guys like that or not like that? Listen, I think it should be online. I think everyone should be registered automatically, and I think that you should be able to vote from your house. You know, <laughs> that's what I think. But let's see. Yeah, I, I believe voting day should be a holiday. Um, I think we should make everyone, regardless of, you know, employment, um, socioeconomic status, things of that sort, I think we should make it easy for folks to be able to vote and exercise their rights. Um, and if we make it a holiday, I think that's one way that we can make sure that everyone, you know, drop everything that you're doing and, and hit the ballot box as that being, you know, the number one issue of choice for the country for that day. Um, everyone go to the ballot. So I, I think it should be a national holiday. Now, uh, I've got a question. There's there's a lot of great uh, voting ideas out there, and there's one that we've never brought to play here, but it sounds like an interesting one if you really want to make sure people vote, um, and that's what they do in Chile. They actually have a fine if you do not vote, right? I have heard about that. Um, you know, I, the reason I don't, I'm not a fan is because I don't think there's any value to a vote that's like a, a coin flip. Right. Somebody well, you know, like sort of the the people that do don't know who to vote for, they they have to ca at least cast a blank ballot. They oh, they at okay. least have to say, yeah, they they don't have to vote for anybody, but they have to at least vote, which of course don't, it probably raises the likelihood that they at least invest some time into the process since they kind of have to go through it. Hmm. It's interesting, right? I, I mean. I mean, I'm really intrigued by it. I would, you know, I would hate to see, you know, people who are, uh, you know, so downtrodden that they, they can't get their lives together enough to vote to, you know, have a fine on top of all the other problems. But, you know, my heart bleeds. So <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> it, it, listen, you know, I, I think that it's great to discuss all the different alternatives to the way that things are done, because there's a lot of great ideas out there. Not everything's going to work for us, but there's a lot of great ideas that can be explored. Um, there's different voting systems where people, the, the, it's the ranked voting systems, you know, where people rank candidates one, two, three, four, five, and then if there's not a majority, it's called the instant runoff. Right, right. And w those are fantastic in a lot of ways, I think, because that increases, that really, really increases dialogue because it increases the number of candidates, viable candidates, and it increases the number of issues that are going to be discussed during any cycle, right? Right, right. And Necessarily three or four people are going to bring up more more um, depth than I think two. That is true. It, well, you know what? It, it lessens the burden of running because you know that there's going to be one race and there's going to be a winner. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. a lot of these races, you know, you have to worry about not only running a political campaign, but then when it's all said and done in, in November, then you've got to go into overtime and beat your opponent head to head in just a couple of weeks when people stop caring about voting all of a sudden because they voted right, already once. Your life once. is probably like financially in shambles at that point. You know, people right. have, you haven't been working and you've been spending, you know, hopefully a significant amount of um, investment on the campaign, right? So it becomes, I think you're right, it becomes really just 
a huge investment. I, I'm intrigued by it. I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. And I think that our country is interesting and cool because creativity went into the democratic process. And when did we stop that, right? When did we stop innovating as far as how to best express our democratic principles? Right. Uh, well, you know, there's no reason why we can't adjust things and become more modern. And I think the, the goal is to increase participation, you know, because right now the participation rates are still, what, in the mid-60s for this uh, this past general election. That was considered one of the highest ever, right? Yeah, it was it was high. That's true. Um, that being said, the general election just can't be the metric. You know, your vote is just so much heavier when it comes to local elections. I mean, right. There are so many elections that happen in Miami-Dade County that are a couple thousand votes. We're talking a condo building, you know? Right, right. We're not talking a whole lot at all. And the average voter age in um, and the last city of Miami election was um, actually in the 70s because youth turnout, um, millennial turnout, was like 13% or something like that. So wait, wait. Um, the average age in the last city of Miami city election. Of Miami mayor election. It was in the 70s. I can send you the link to the article. Um, yeah, it was in, in the 70s because... Oh, well, the, and, but the last... Well, the mayoral election or the whole... I mean, there was... No, the, the mayoral. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that was, was a, that that was probably an especially low turnout election because uh, there was there was only one major candidate for mayor that year, and it was Mayor Regalado. So there probably, was one major candidate. Yeah, but, that probably depressed the vote a little bit. There wasn't a plethora of choice in that election. <laughs> this year, it's... <laughs> It's looking like it's going to be his former opponent. Um, there's nobody else registered to run for mayor of Miami right now. So, right. But, but the commission races uh, are, are just starting to heat up. Um, so uh, we've got well, like... And there are other... There are, other um, there are some really important elections we're trying to target. Um, Engage is trying to register around the areas where there are elections happening. Um, well, City of Homestead. We're, we're pretty much out of time. So tell oh, our okay. audience where they can find out more about Engage Miami on your website and your Twitter account. Okay, so it's at Engage MIA and uh, Engage.Miami. Thank it, you so much, Grant. At Engage MIA and Engage.Miami. Sarah, Kaisha, thank you guys so much for coming on the program tonight. Have a good one. Have a good one. And that's all the time we have on The Only in Miami Show. I'd like to thank Elaine Del Valle, and we'll be back next Monday night. This is The Only in Miami Show.